Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to CRS Coffee Podcast. This is me again, Noah Adra, and I'm joining with Monsieur Shane Venla, who just recently joined us. Shane, would you like to say hello? Uh, yeah, hey, everyone. Perfect. Uh, well, today, what we're going to be uh, introducing to you is the, the podcast we did with Tim William last week, just before WAC. Just we wanted to let you know we did it through Skype, so it was a little bit of a weird sound to it. However, the content is freaking amazing. Uh, we spoke a lot about good stuff, such as where the aeroplanes come from, how did it all started, who began, uh, what time, and what day, um, what which year uh, Tim William joined in, and how it's all shifted from being a small little thing to become one of the biggest events in the coffee world. And also, we were at the WAC at yep, the commune. Coffee Brew Bar. Yep. So we were um, basically joined by the competitors and uh, serving coffee to the public, uh, which was quite a new experience. Yeah. People really got to interact with the competitors, um, taste their coffee, and it was yeah, it was just a really good kind of laid back uh, addition. To yeah, it was WAC. really it was really fun. We had heaps of fun. We stayed there for almost 12, 13 hours. Uh, we, we won't take you away from, from the podcast. I think you should listen to it um, and enjoy the content and enjoy the conversation. Us and Tim William, he spoke about great stuff and what they're going to do next and their new direction. So we'll leave you here and enjoy the podcast, yeah, guys. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the next CRS uh, episode. Here we have Tim Williams from Bureau Collective and World Aeropress Championship. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, uh, so World, World Aeropress coming to Sydney. Very exciting. How how is how has the challenge been? Uh, how is the collaboration with Single Origin? What, what's 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 going on? What's currently happening at the moment? Uh, well, yeah, we are one week away. Uh, in fact, actually. What is it? 1 p.m. Uh, 1 p.m. next Friday, we'll all be arriving at a secret location with uh, 120 competitors and their guests. And oh wow! So uh, yeah, it's been pretty frantic um, as it is every year uh, getting mm -hmm. to this, but um, it's all coming together really well. <laughs> yeah. How long did it take you guys? To organize the, of, yeah, of preparation. It, it's just not now. Um, we we work on this 12 months of the year. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. yeah we, what's a lot? Yeah, so carry on, Tim. We're already scoping out uh, next year and, and where that will be held um, and some of the things that we want to implement uh, for the 2019 season. So, yeah, mm -hmm. what... It used to be kind of a little side project that um, we put together in the, the months leading up to the final. Is now something that rolls um, twelve months of the year. Uh, there's, there's there's no off season for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Well, what number is this? How many World Aeropress Championships has there been? Uh, this will be number eleven, actually. Wow. Yeah. Eleven years. Eleven years. Um, have you have you always been involved in it for the, throughout the whole eleven years, or? No, just recently. not not at all. Um, no, I I joined about uh, probably four and a half years ago, maybe nearly yeah, probably four and a half years ago. Um, 
Yeah, so my partner, uh, also Tim uh, Varney, he started the competition with a third Tim, uh, Tim Wendelbo. Uh, <laughs> All right, there's a lot of Tims in this competition. Right? <laughs> we get confused by the end of it. I know, we just, I, I literally just finished up a meeting with uh, another guy who's been helping us uh, on this year's championship, and he's Tim as well. So, um, if, uh, if there's any Tims out there, do you want to <laughs> you want to collaborate? Collective. <laughs> Awesome. And how, how's, how's the journey been? What, what changes have you seen since you came in to, to where you're at now? Like, obviously, you know, we, we, we all know the story, you know, three competitors and a couple judges in, um, you know, in Europe starting off the competition and now to, to, to what it's become. What, what have you seen in the time that you've been involved in the, in the whole project? How, what changes have you seen uh, inside of the competition and in the industry as a whole? Mm. The biggest changes in the competition are that it is now taken a lot more seriously by competitors than we ever thought it would be. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, the net result of that change for us is that we feel a bigger sense of responsibility to make it awesome. Um, yeah, you know, this, when this was like a little side project for us, and it was like something cool that we just like cobbled together. And while we always really wanted it to be really good, it was kind of like you know, if people come and have a good time, great. And you know, if not, well, you know, we're all kind of like in this together. But um, yep. now we have three and a half thousand competitors and um, people who. Wow really put a lot of value in this and they work really hard on this we feel a much bigger sense of responsibility to, to make sure that um, everyone's really well looked after um, and that it's fair and that in the end um, the person who's brewing the most delicious cup of coffee uh, in the world is is crowned as our our champion so um, yeah, yeah that really kind of like crystallized for me last year in Seoul um, when uh, there were two things that happened in the space of about 15 minutes um, where the Italian competitor came up to me and pulled back her sleeve and showed me um, the tattoo that she just got. <laughs> wow. That mean, that mean you did the Harley You made it, man. Your branding's worked. That's You're it. in the high leagues now. Holly Davidson. It. Your uh, your value is, is up there. It's not any more financial value. Dang. Sure. That was just the first one uh, that I saw, but there was a dude in Russia who, you know, got a big Aeropress championship uh, piece done on his arm. Um, but then kind oh. of the inverse of that as well, you know, one of our competitors, I, I, I'm going back on my memory a little bit here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she was the competitor from um, uh, either Finland or Estonia. Uh, and, you know, she was 18 years old and, you know, it was the first time she was traveling in Asia and she was there with her mum. And, you know, like I, I have three daughters and I just like connected these dots really quickly of like, um, you know, here's this young woman um, experiencing the world, like getting to travel you know, on this global stage and it sort of just hit yeah. me like what a big thing it was and, and how important it is to people. Um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of why I talk about us feeling this much greater sense of responsibility now um, than yep. we did. Yep. There's, you know, Tim Varney and his mates and Ben Kaminsky and, you know, 
James Hoffman and they'd get together and you know, back then it was different, if I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah. Before yeah. UK championship one year, like all the judges were at my house drinking till like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was like it was just like a fun, informal, casual thing and it didn't matter if we were hung over as hell, but like mm. that's definitely not the case anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know but what what do you think that made it such such a special competition comparing to all the rest of the world? Why Aeropress has taken that um, success path? There's, there's, there's one reason that I believe that, that has made it um, as successful as it is. Um, and that's because we put the competitors first. Um, you know, there are multiple stakeholders in any event that you do. And there's, you know, in, in our event, there's the competitors, there's the attendees, there's the organizers, and then there's the sponsors. And um, we kind of put those stakeholders in that order in terms of priority. Um, and we tell our yeah. sponsors this too, that, that, you know, we're not going to make this event like boring or stuffy or, um, you know, follow the kind of like really well scripted um, approach to sponsorship um, that like annoys or alienates competitors because the day the competitors stop showing up is the day that none of us have anything. So um, yeah. we only work with uh, sponsors who get that and who see that value and who appreciate that. And, you know, we're so fortunate that the sponsorship, the sponsors that we have understand and value that um, that approach um yeah. so, you know we you know really struggle to cover our costs every year um yeah yeah uh, so it's just not easy i think it's a it's a massive operation cost as well it's huge yeah i mean we're, we did 140 events this year and uh, wow country. So, um, wow. what was the what, what has been the biggest aeropress event so far what who took it home uh, uh, probably the world championship in Seoul. Uh, the last so, one. Yeah, um, in terms of the size of it and the, the amount of attendees and the venue. Um, in terms of competitors, I think back in Poland uh, last year, there was something like 125, 130 competitors. Uh, how, how did you do the whole thing? In one, was it a one-day event? It had to be more. No, it was a one-day event. Um, but had, How did you 125 in one day? 30 rounds. Yeah, they had the two or three stages. Uh, so, ah. all the time. Um, you know, it went for a while. It definitely wasn't like two hours, but um, they did that. <laughs> it's brilliant. Wow, that's crazy. I think man. it's I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, even the fact that it's you're using an Aeropress as a as a brewing device because it's. I have so many friends who have no attachment or no links to specialty coffee, but they have an Aeropress at home that they like to brew with. And it's just, it's interesting to see how that device is such a easy approach to making better coffee, regardless of what it is. So mm. it's, it's cool that, you know, this, this whole competition in a way it's, it's attracting people to the specialty coffee market the yeah. way, the way I see it. Like the people who know how to brew with an Aeropress suddenly come to these events and, you know, from there on in, it's 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 growing the culture. Yeah, and you don't 
you don't even have to know how to prove it in AeroPress to watch our competition and say, well, I can get involved in this and I can do this too. Uh, mm. We had a national champion, uh, maybe she won the world championship one year. Uh, this was going, you know, going back a long way, but she had never brewed with the AeroPress before. She just really? followed the instructions. <laughs> wow. She did really that. Um, but I agree with you that that um, approachability um, is really important and it's something that we really like. Um, mm. This year uh, in Sydney, for the first time as well, um, we're going to be having all of the national champions brewing coffee for the crowd. So oh, on a yeah. brew bar, um, once a, a, a round has happened on stage and the and two competitors have been muffed out, instead of them just going back up to the dressing room and kind of crying into their uh, into their beer, um, they're going to go and uh, brew their recipe for people to come up and taste uh, on on their own separate bar. So, cool. How did how did, how did you? Sorry, sorry, carry on. We want we want the crowd and we want people in general, like kind of like average person in Sydney to be able to come along and taste what amazingly well-brewed coffee tastes like. Um, yeah. And, yeah, to understand that a little more than, than they do right now. Yeah, mm, yeah. 100%. I mean, I will, I will be there. So I'll be <laughs> drinking a lot of it and serving yeah. a lot of it. So that's exciting. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> well, thanks for coming out. Uh, really yeah, man. My thanks. My pleasure, hundred percent. And I think I think we got a a lot of people will be asking what triggered uh, it like this Aeropress Championship to start at the beginning. What was what was the story behind it? Yeah, it was a um, basically a discovery method uh, to find to to help work out how to brew with this thing. So I think the Aeropress itself was only a year or two into the market and. Um, no one, no one really knew how to use it very well. Um, mm. The guy who invented it has his um, opinions on how to brew with it and how to use huh. it. Um, but, yeah, yeah but not not everyone who's kind of in in coffee really agrees with that necessarily. Um, yeah. So two teams just thought it would be a fun way to work out how to use it would be to. Have a little competition um and that was as much as they ever thought it would be um and it literally snowballed from there um but, you was know, it I, was it difficult to did, they, did you collaborate with aeropress the company the brand or did you guys just make um aeropress championship did they come like did they come on board at any point or did they support the event or was there any sort of collaboration there yeah they've always um, Aeropress, the manufacturer, has always been supportive um, once they could have kind of caught wind of the competition. Um, but I think for the first couple of years, they didn't even know about it. Um, mm -hmm. And then they made some trophies, I think. Uh, when I joined, the competition was all being run by Tim Varney and it was literally getting to be too much for him to manage. And... It yeah. was costing him money to put it on and um, yeah. with no formal arrangements with Aeropress at all. Um, and that's yeah. why I got brought in was to help set it up so that we could 
grow it to what it is now um, mm -hmm. so that we could put structures in place that would mean that competitors, whether you win in Ecuador or Estonia or England, um, you could come to a world championship and compete. And we just didn't have that structure. Yep, yep. So a big part of getting that structure in place was sitting down with the manufacturer and saying, you know, this is a, you know, potentially very, very uh, interesting opportunity. Um, we need yep. your support like this. And, and, and they were really open to that discussion uh, and have continued to be very supportive. Um, I'll go back over the States and see them at the end of the month and we'll have a little debrief on the year and how it's been and what um, what we plan to do for next year and we'll get their thoughts on that. And, um, yeah. and yeah, they, they're incredibly supportive without treading on our toes, I would say, is the, the best awesome. way to do it. Yeah, which is rare to find companies, you know, to, to support you that much. But you're, you, you guys are doing such a great job at it as well. So thank you representing yeah i think i think you know shout out to you and and tim as well you know to keep it going because yeah. uh, it, it's a competition that gave opportunities to coffee professional or non-coffee professional to yeah. be part of yeah. something exciting you know yeah you don't have to train for 10 well i mean you can but you know you don't need a whole routine no, you know, no. all these different materials it really isn't like the usual coffee competitions you can just stay at home just try and brew the best coffee you can rock up have a beer yeah. brew coffee it's just it's such a it's such a good way to celebrate you know people's skills and their efforts and their passion and yeah i think like as noah was saying it's pretty amazing to see where you guys have gotten it and then to find out it's <laughs> it's like pretty much like a part-time gig as well you know with yeah. you running bureau collective and, and tim as well and like the fact how many how many countries are, are involved in the competition uh there's 60 official countries this year um oh. And should be a United Nation brewer. That's what it should be called. <laughs> right. Like we, I think there was like 26 or 27 when I joined. And I really wanted to help um, push this uh, beyond just um, fairly rich uh, Western um, countries and to start getting this event into places where there wasn't an established uh, specialty coffee. Uh, scene because yeah. I think it's a really great way to um, present specialty coffee in a really approachable light. And I mean, yeah. if you only ever understood specialty coffee as the World Barista Championship, you could yeah. really look at this industry and be like, that's too much of a hassle. Like, that, mm. that just seems like a, yeah, that seems like too much work. Well, the and, thing is with other competition, there's less and less people. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you will go and watch, and you don't see that many people doing serious competition like they used to. Mm. Um, yeah, the yeah. support isn't the same. No, no way, nowhere no, near, nowhere near. And while you guys have, uh, again, accessibility, there's information about the AeroPress everywhere right now. You know, so people go online, they know how to brew it in probably an hour. They will yeah. get a good yeah, brew yeah. out of it, yeah, you know, and sharing the recipes, uh, oh, championship yeah. recipes. I think that was a brilliant idea because now we can just go out there and try to do the same thing that the other person has did and won the championship with it. I think I think I, I, I love it. It's probably one of my favorites. So. Yeah. How did you? How did Tim and Tim meet? 
How did you guys, how did that take us back? How did that yeah. story happen? Uh, Tim and Tim Varney and I, we, so yeah, Tim yeah. And I met at Tim Wendelbo, the shop, um, back in Norway. Uh, so that would have been in uh, yeah, 2007, I think. Um, I just happened to be in Oslo uh, visiting from London and um, someone recommended that there was this shop called Tim Wendelbo that was fairly new and a really uh, interesting, very cool uh, coffee bar. So I went to check cool. it out and, uh, and I sort of, you know, apologised to the, the person behind the counter that I didn't speak Norwegian and... Um, <laughs> and I'm Aussie and they're like, hey, man, me too. <laughs> right from Melbourne, so... Um, yeah, we were from the same place and we had the same name, so we just decided that it made sense that we were friends, and um, and that, that was pretty much where it kicked off from. Uh, yeah, and then we would just see each other at uh, at different um coffee events around the world. Um, Tim was based in uh, Norway for the next few years, and I was uh, based uh, in London and then in Los Angeles, and um, we we just became friends. Uh, so yeah, Tim would come and stay with us in London um, and invariably complain about how much work the Aeropress Championship was and uh, how he didn't have time to do it and, um, you know, it was costing a lot of money to, to put on and stuff. And when we were uh, together for the event in Rimini in Italy, uh, I was judging. And I think at that point I just said to him, like, I'll come on board and help you out. Like we'll split this thing 50, 50 and, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give it a bit more structure. We'll get to go to interesting places. We'll get to eat in good restaurants and, um, and we'll have some fun with it. Uh, and yeah, that was about, I guess, yeah, four years ago, something like that. Amazing. Look at it, man. You did a great job. And how, how's it, um, how, how you, cause I was just wondering how you coping with it now, you know, starting a new business in Melbourne, you know, Bureau Collective and, and trying to manage, you know, 60 countries and 65, 65 pardon me, uh, sounds, sounds pretty intense. How's, how's it, how are you doing it? How's it all going? Um, did, have you had to add someone to the team? Is it still the same team as before? Yeah, so we added, uh, we added Kersha Wong to our team a little over a year ago now. Um, she was working at Apple, uh, before she came to, to work with us. Um, and she works full-time on the Aeropress Championship. So if you're a host or a competitor or one of our uh, sponsors or a supplier or, or whatever, there's there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be talking with Kershaw more than you'll be talking with um, with uh, Tim or I. And in fact, yeah. you know, for this year, probably 95% of Tim's focus has been on Bureau Collective um, as we actually moved our roastery, so we, we built a new roastery uh, in Melbourne yeah, this year. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah, we, we moved in uh, just over three weeks ago. Um, and so that's been a huge project for me to design yeah. that and manage it, manage the yeah. build. Um, so Kersha really does a lot of the heavy lifting of the competition itself, and we just stay in close contact on what's important and what we need to be putting our energy into. Um, yeah. yeah, it's look, you know, anyone who owns a business or runs a business knows that it's a lot of work. Um, it's definitely a lot to uh, 
uh, owner manager too. Um, but you know, this is uh, this is sort of what we had in mind, and what what certainly I wanted to be doing with my time. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's they're, they're enjoyable challenges to have. Yeah, definitely, man. Especially dealing with so many cultures around the world as well. So sure. how how I know how, how does it work? Because now you, you, each country will have its own regional, and then will have a national, or there will be some countries only nationals. Yeah. Some countries only have nationals, and some countries have loads of regionals. And really, give me an example. Yeah, so like in um, Spain, for example, uh, we have a host there who is actually like our national coordinator in Spain, and he put on seventeen regionals uh, this year. Seventeen. Yeah. I didn't know Spanish people. You and Aeropress. I'm Spanish, so when I, when I just I thought it was all pretty much, you know, like batch filter. You know, do you want it with milk, sugar, or black? And they're yeah. just like hot, pour it hot, pour it fast. Expressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, some of those events are really small, and some of them are, are much bigger. Um, but it all has to start somewhere, you know. And yeah, definitely. And you know, there's like I, I'm pretty sure there's like 17 basically like autonomous regions in Spain um, that are you know culturally like very different. And you know, Carlos is like really he, you know, he's Spanish. Like he he understands the culture there and he understands the relationships between those regions. And he understands what people from a particular region will want. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And what they want is somebody from their region organizing something. They don't want you know two guys from Australia telling them yeah. this is yeah, how you have, yeah. to, and you have to do it. So he's put this system together where um, there's a group who receives submissions from roasters in each of these regions and they blind cut coffees from these places and that's how they choose who's going to be the roaster for each region and then each region has a competition and finds a winner and then all those winners come together in Barcelona for the national championship and it's great. It means that, you know, we've got every region of Spain covered and people don't have to travel three hours by plane to go and compete in this thing. They can compete locally. But that's an example of where it works really, really well um, yep. and and has a lot of regionals. Then, like in Maldives, you know, the population is tiny. Like it's, it's like a speck in the ocean. And... Um, so regionals in the Maldives is like kind of crazy. So there aren't any. There's just the uh, Maldivian Aeropress Championship, um, which is yeah, just the one standalone event. Yeah, wow, that's great. What do what do they get out of it? Like if if he holds seventeen national, regional. Uh, re- sorry, regional. Um, how how do you guys give him a lot of help? Does does you be heavily involved in it or how do you manage it from the outside? So we, yeah, we're not heavily involved in the day to day of running those competitions. That's that's what we have hosts to do. What we do is give a framework for how competitions um, should be structured and the kind of things that are acceptable and not acceptable. Um, and so we always like bring that back to what our you know fundamental values for the championship are. And that is for it to be really accessible and for it to bring people together. So as long as people are making decisions that work along with that framework, um, then 
then we generally don't have too much of an issue. Yeah. Where we have had issues before is when hosts have seen it as an opportunity to Passion. like promote their brand and exclude a lot of other brands. Like there's some degree to that, but where that is like anti-community, it doesn't it doesn't work well. Or yep. they try and cash in and they try and charge people $150 or $200 to enter, and that we don't accept either. So right. where you are in the world, um, there is a cap on how much it can cost to enter the championship, and we've pegged that to be equivalent to what a barista would earn there in three hours. So. Cool. In Australia, that's like maybe like 75 bucks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea behind that is that if you're a Brewster and you want to go in this championship, you can take your earnings from one morning rush out of the year. You know, you'll work 250 of them a year. One of them covers your cost to go in the championship and you will need to spend another cent uh, and you can go all, all the way on to win the Worlds. Wow. And how did you, how did the single origin, tell us, how did, how did that happen? How come you decided to do a, a co-host? I think it was the first time you've ever done it, is that right? That's right, yeah. So traditionally we've hosted the championship, uh, the, the, the final of the championship on our own. Um, well, actually, let me take, go back even one step before that. Before I started, um, the world championship would usually just be at a trade show on someone's booth. You know, like Marco's stand or something like that, um, and so it was closed to the public. It was like just for industry people. Uh, and when I joined, um, uh, it was nudging away from that, where it was co-hosted with um, La Mazzocco on the beach in Italy. But it was still oh. only for industry people. You know, right. it was like pegged to a trade show. And I sort of imagined that we could do something that was broader and more open if we get normal people, for want of a better term, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who like coffee and get them along. So, so in Seattle, we did the we we hired our own event space uh, in uh, Soto, which is like um, near the baseball stadium, and it's like a, a, an event space for weddings and functions, and had an awesome roof deck that looked out over um, Starbucks HQ and that kind of thing. So we put on a standalone event. So we did the same in Ireland with um, at a bar um, that was really cool, uh, and then at, in Seoul in this amazing space over three uh, levels. Um, but we were always kind of like very independent with that. Um, we knew that we wanted to do the World Championship in Australia this year, um, and Single O had been our Australian national host last year. And we thought we did an awesome job. We saw a whole bunch of video footage from the championship and the kind of marketing collateral that they did, and, and it looked yeah, really good. Yep. Yeah. Um, we really wanted to be in Sydney, and we knew that they knew Sydney much better than we did. Um, and they approached us saying that they would love to be involved in the World Championship somehow, uh, and it sounded to me like a good idea. So I you know, met with uh, Mike, who's their GM, uh, a number of times, and... We had some chats about it and it just, you know, wasn't spectacularly complicated. It just seemed like a good partnership. Yeah. They, and uh, it, it made sense on both sides. So we just, yeah. And, 
Yeah, it's maybe going to knock it out of the park. To be honest, yeah. I think. Yeah, they're going to do. Really I think they're going to well. do really well. Yeah. yeah we, we we know at least what the um, poster is all about, so it's pretty <laughs> fun. We had a bit of a chat to them yesterday. Oh, you did, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, actually, on the on the posters. Yeah, can you? Like, <laughs> let's see your opinion. What do you think of the poster this year for the world? I love it. The, yeah. The, the, the barbecue and the sausage coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think one of the benchmark, I think, the Aeropress have taken what a poster could be to the next level. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm 100% down. It's just an amazing word of work of art. You guys uh, did all over the world. Like, each and every country is so unique. unique to their culture. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. And still, yeah, do, still... do you have to approve all of that? Or how does it work? We do, yeah, we do, um, yeah. Uh, we never used to. Um, it used to just be open slather and do whatever you want. Um, and then, you know, there were some posters that were not that cool. Um, yeah. Sort of like, uh, you know, crossed some lines that we wouldn't have crossed if it was um, if it was our own uh, poster. Um, yeah. And. Can I give an example? Uh, <laughs> I mean, jump on the internet. You'll, you'll find them easily yeah, enough. Yeah. But, but for, for everyone who wants to see what we're talking about, if you haven't looked up AeroPress championship posters, there is like an abundance of just incredibly creative, uh, culturally fit, as well as uh, staying true to the AeroPress competition. I mean, it's just everything in one. It's really entertaining just to see what people came up with. There's a if you search uh, actually for Aeropress art, um, a woman in the Philippines has built a Tumblr that is every single poster pretty much ever. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, awesome. it's it's really really good. So she has the good ones on there and she has the bad ones on there too. Um, yeah, but you know we ended up seeing that there were a lot of posters going out, and even though um, you know we would say to people, well, that's their poster; it's got nothing to do with us. Um, yeah. It had our branding on it, and it was linked to us inextricably yeah. so that kind of ties back into that sense of responsibility that i spoke to you guys about earlier and um us not really being able to escape that so we decided i think it was about uh maybe two years ago that we would approve or disapprove every poster um which puts a bit more operational challenge on us and um so well, how many how many posters do you get per country it depends. Uh, like usually, the design. Um, yeah, not usually too many. We would probably look at maybe 80, 80 to 90 posters a year. Okay, that's not too bad, actually. Mm. And look, 99% of them are totally fine. Um, you know, we now have uh, kind of like guidelines around the posters as well, so that people yeah, are yeah. Uh, not surprised if, if they do something that, that we're not um, on board with it, it's generally not too surprising uh, they they have those instructions from the start yeah interesting where, where do you where do you want the aeropress to go where where do you see it or what what sort of contribution do you want it making for the industry is there like a mission you have with it is is there a, an overall goal or anything mm, that's a great question um i'm not sure that we've asked ourselves that question uh yeah um, but I mean, now, now that you have such exposure, you know, it might be 
like you know at the start it was three people and you sort of it's it's kind of broad what you were doing and now that you've you've got such a reach you know it's 65 countries it's people who are tattooing the aeropress logo on on their on their bodies like now i think it, it means something different it's no longer just a copy competition it really is giving people uh different yeah it's it's it's, it's creating something i definitely think you cannot underestimate the reach and the um, the leverage that that this has. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm probably a little more interested in looking not away from the industry, but in helping like bridge the gap between you know the specialty coffee industry and normal people who like coffee, um, because yep. with as a specialty coffee industry, we've done a really good job of alienating those people, um, yep. even people yep. who like curious about coffee you know for so long we've um developed terminology and methods and um all kinds of uh indicators that are barriers to those people getting more involved or um just getting stuck in and, and brewing some great coffee and so i i'm much more interested in how we bridge that gap and and get more people drinking better coffee um, as opposed to um, using it as a, a tool to to change the industry somehow, um, yeah. that's a really big uh, you know focus for me. Um, and then the other the other thing that I think uh, we have an opportunity to do, um, which is challenging, is to bring the competition to more places where coffee is produced. And that's um, that's pretty that's cool. A, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, that's a, a hard thing to do. Um, invariably getting visas uh, for people from producing yeah. is harder than getting visas um, for people from non-producing countries. Um, yeah. You know, I would love to have the budget available to do five or six competitions a year that, you know, lost loads of money um, but got people in Rwanda or in yeah, that's amazing. I think there was one in Brazil as well, where you did yeah, that as well. Brazil has had a competition for a long time, and, and, and that does that does really well. And you know, we've had that competition happen on Poppy Farms, uh, yeah. which has been John, Johnny, I think Johnny Lasseta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually poorly represented in. Um, yeah, I bought his coffee. It's fucking yeah. There's an event in Nairobi yeah. each year, but like, you know. I would love to be going and doing events in Addis Ababa and in uh, Kigali. Um, uh, you know, when you spend time in those places and you see, um, you know, kids working in uh, in coffee shops in in like Kigali, it's a great example. Like enthusiasm, the you know, the passion around coffee like, beats anything that you find around coffee in Melbourne. Um, you know, like there's enthusiasm and there's sincerity and you know, I, I love spending time around people who are enthusiastic and sincere about what they do and where that, you know, segues across to coffee, you know, that's a, that's a really, really nice uh, space to be in. So, you know, we have very established countries uh, doing really well with competition. They, they kind of, they can continue doing their thing and um, I would love to be spending more time in Africa and, um, and, and seeing if we can... Uh, Get a few more people interested in coffee consumption there. Yeah, right. And how, like, when when you guys chose your green coffee, uh, what sort of 
um, supply strategy look for? Do you look for coffees that are super ethically sourced? You know everything, you know the price in and out. Because I think there was a question that Mark Bamdon asked Cafe Import a couple of days ago, if, if yeah. they can reveal the price of the, of the coffee that is uh, going to be used at the Aeropress Championship. So I just wonder, how, how do you go about that? Yeah. Do you, do you have part of that? It's um, it's not been something we've actively worked on or, or um, yeah, put that much uh, energy into, to be honest. And, you know, I think as, yeah, I saw Mark's comments this morning, actually, and um, they, you know, they have definitely come about in a time where coffee prices are in crisis and it's become uh, a much more pressing issue than than, uh, you know, I think we would have considered it to have been in the past. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I can't yeah, give you an answer on that right now. Like, that, to some extent, is is a conversation for Cafe Imports to have with single O, and, and there are yeah. on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's not for me to say what Cafe Imports uh, has to do. Yeah. Or yeah. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's a really fair question and it's certainly a question that Mark is asking uh, a lot of people in coffee, you know. I know, I know. He's, um, he's very heavily focused on it. So I just wonder that if, if the Aeropress, you know, organizer could, could be part of it maybe in the future. Maybe, you know, maybe another guideline like we have for the posters, maybe we'll have a guideline for what green coffee we should use then. Yeah. This is how we want it. That could, that could be very interesting. It's a, it's a really difficult thing to um, police and to, uh, to put in place properly, even within, say, your own roastery, you know. And then yeah. you think about the fact that we deal with 140 different organisations in the world, no. some in producing countries, some in places where uh, they're only using local coffee or other places where, you know, specialty coffee doesn't even really exist, you know, aside from the Aeropress Championship. Us going in with a draconian kind of rule um, come, you know, arrive that by, you know, two white guys in Melbourne, that doesn't necessarily... <laughs> <make it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be that accepted, fair enough. <laughs> it's like... That's, you know, um, there's, you know, there's things that we're happy to be responsible for and, uh, and then there's things that, that are, you know, um, bigger issues uh, that will take time to work through and to sort out. Um, you know, like I said, it's still two people part-time and then one person full-time pulling this thing together every year and there are things that, that we do really well and there are things that we'll continue to work on um yeah i think the, the green coffee question is is a fair question um well we will we will see how we go you never know that could be part of the operation later on i mean as as you said you know it's growing so we're, we're not retrieving so there's always definitely an add-on um value activity to the whole operation anyway and, and to the supply chain and I, I believe that you guys uh, use ethical people that you work with as well so you you trust the importer to do the right thing at the same yeah. time so there's, there's a lot of trust uh, sure. yeah
hundred percent. Um, so I think to finalize a couple of questions, um, how, how do you see it's going to help Sydney having the Aeropress championship in, in, um, well, in our hometown, I guess, speaking from. Yeah, well, maybe, you, maybe, maybe uh, I should be asking you that instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's our podcast. Usually, like, I'm gone by uh, 5 p.m., so I'm, uh, yeah, my, my awareness of Sydney is not, definitely not the best. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah what, what do you think the impact of having the Aeropress Championship in Sydney will be? Well, I think, look, talking, talking to Single Origin, I mean, I think they're expecting five, 600 people to come to this event. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So it's 700. It's 700? Yeah. I mean, good luck to them. But, uh, <laughs> but I think, yeah, no, if anything, anything that involves uh, creativity and excitement and just supporting, you know, just getting people to, to, to do more, I think, with, with other competitions and, and, and other things, it's not, it doesn't provide the same movement or support that the Aeropress competition does. And bringing it to the home country, I think, really gets more people involved in it. And I mean, I think that's, that's always going to be, that's always going to be a good thing. Uh, five, 600 people, like you said, Aeropress is a really good way to get more people coming into the specialty coffee, seeing what it's about. They, they pretty much just see people up on stage pushing down like a plastic tube and making delicious coffee. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get much more complicated than that. So it's, I think, I think it's brilliant in that sense, um, opening awareness to how simple coffee can be. Uh, single origin are preparing an event where it really is, like the poster says, a barbecue. You know, yeah. you grab your mates, you have a beer, have a snag, <laughs> watch the AeroPress and enjoy. And I think steering away from the pretentiousness that the market has of specialty coffee. This is a great way to show people that it doesn't have to be that way and that we can all just crack open a beer and enjoy some coffee. Yeah. 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 And one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm the most excited about um, and the reason that we wanted to have the competition in Australia um, is that, you know, I, I was fortunate enough um, to – uh, travel a lot uh, in with my uh, with work and and you know I moved from Australia to the UK for uh, ten years and then managed to travel a lot around Europe and the States and and Africa as well and you know travel like seeing other cultures like broadens the mind spectacularly mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I think being a better global citizen um, and understanding people better um, is a, a almost unavoidable um, result of traveling and experiencing other cultures. But I'm really aware that not everyone has the same opportunity to travel and to, to see places. So I, I'm really excited to bring 120 people from all corners of the world to Australia. And not that, you know, Australia has anything that's better than anywhere else in the world, but it's different. And it's yeah, it, yeah. the time these people will ever come to Australia, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm really, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, you know, you need a really good reason to come to Australia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kangaroos or beaches. Yeah. <laughs> <Wallace>. Koalas. 
So I think it's like it's super cool and like it's not just the competitors uh, and their guests uh, this year. We've got a whole bunch of our hosts are coming as well because they want to be involved. And so we have the hosts from Israel, the hosts from Mexico, the hosts from Spain are all coming. Um, uh, I think even like from Northern Ireland again. Um, and, you know, like getting out of your hometown and, and seeing what life's like on the other side of the planet, I think is like really enriching. And um, I like that we're able to be a, a, a vehicle for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought you were going to finish a sentence, but it just finished up. No, I just dropped it there. That's it. Did, that was uh, a, uh, did, it uh, did it drop or did it? <laughs> I was a bit confused. Does he want us to say something? Or? No, well, well, I think, you know, that's, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's good to have it in Sydney. We haven't done it in, in Australia before. I think this is the first time. It was in, in Melbourne. Australia. It was, in, it was Melbourne. in Melbourne. It was small. Yeah, really small. Much smaller than this. Well, um, it's definitely a privilege to have it here in Sydney. Yeah. And uh, Sydney people will have a lot of fun next next week yeah. i'm pretty sure it's going to be the biggest barbecue in the coffee industry it'll be a privilege so, to meet all, all the people around the world you're right i didn't even think about that you know having we're so isolated from the rest of the specialty coffee world unless you have the opportunity to travel and seek out these these places we don't really have a contact with anything maybe america we see a lot because of social media but apart from that i mean It'll be really, really, really cool to interact with with these different cultures and different coffee professionals. And you're right; I think that is really, really exciting. Yeah. I'm pumped now. I'm looking forward. Yeah, yeah. That's always been one of the biggest challenges as well. Is that while we managed to bring 50 or 60 uh, coffee people from, or, or let's say people who love coffee from all different parts of the world together, we were always on such a tight time frame that it was like get in, register go over there and practice, now you're on stage, and then it's like, get out. Um, yeah. We have to get the venue back. So that's why this year we've made a two-day event and we're getting all of the competitors and their guests to meet us um, at Single O's Cafe in uh, Surrey Hills uh, on the Friday. Uh, and then we're putting everyone on a bus and we're going for an adventure. Um, and it doesn't involve our sponsors. Uh, I mean, they're like, they're, you know, their logos are on the MailChimp campaigns and stuff, but it's not a sponsorship thing. It's not a um, opportunity for anything like that. This is a, we're literally giving all of the competitors and their friends uh, the chance to spend the afternoon together and get to know each other. Um, which they yeah, it's going to be Monday Beach. <laughs> yeah. Classic Monday. I can't, I can't break it here on this podcast, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> give us a tip. Give us a hint. <laughs> There'll be sun yeah. and beaches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it personally. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. Awesome. awesome. Um, well, we're as well. We're really looking forward to have you and to have all the world in Australia brewing some aeropress. And um, thank you again. I think it's going to be awesome. There's a big future for Aeropress and what you guys are doing. Um, and um, yeah, good luck yeah. with the new with with the new space at Bureau. We're gonna come and say hi, and we're gonna you know have you next time talking to us about the collective concept, not just the Aeropress. Uh, yeah, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Um, uh, my pleasure. My pleasure, my man. And we'll talk soon for sure. Thank you, Tim. Cheers. Speak soon. Bye. Speak Bye, soon. Man. Bye.